When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Are you ready for some scolding hot takes? Talking Vikings with Dane Misutani and Chase Frederick. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Hey, welcome to Inside Purple and Gold Vikings Odyssey podcast. Jace Frederick, Dane Mizutani here. Looking forward to Sunday. The Vikings make the trip to London to play the one and two Saints in a, I would say, pivotal NFC showdown uh, between two teams that entered the season with high aspirations and look probably forward to cementing themselves. The Vikings maybe as like this is a chance to say like, hey, we're legit NFC contenders, um, moving to three and one, setting yourself up well through the first quarter of the season. And the Saints maybe trying to save their season. Um, if you go to one and three, it can be hard to recover. I mean, this is a team that thought pretty highly of itself, thought that it would be a team that would contend with the Buccaneers to win the NFC South. And going one and three is not really the path to do that. So a lot on the line for the game that will kick off at 8.30 Central on NFL Network. And then if you're listening in the Minnesota Twin Cities market, it will also be on KSTP Channel 5. Uh, Dane, what are kind of your just initial thoughts of the importance of this game and how everything sets up? I think it's it's probably more important for the Saints, honestly. Like, because like you said, going down to one and three, it's it takes a lot of work to dig yourself out of that hole. Say the Vikings lose this game, they're two and two. They're still in position with the way their schedule lines up to to make a playoff run um, or run towards the playoffs. I don't know if they're making a playoff run with this roster. So I think it's more important for the Saints. But here's why it's important for the Vikings because. They've been so up and down the first three weeks of the season. I know they're two and one. Um, so impressive against Green Bay. So unimpressive against Philly. And just kind of a blah game against Detroit. Probably lean more on the side of unimpressive. So you just kind of feel like, what is this team? If they come out and beat the Saints, uh, I think you can start to feel a little bit more hopeful about where this season is going. Um, if they're able to do it in a certain fashion. Right. If they're able to kind of control the game from from the onset. And there are there are so many variables that go into this London game. It's an 830 start central. Um, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, the, the travel and the differences of that. Um, so it's going to be hard to see or hard to get a gauge of like, is this the optimal Vikings team? Is this the optimal Saints team? Probably not. Um, so more important for the Saints, but I think it's a chance for the Vikings to take a step forward um, in a season that's kind of been rather blah to this point, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think this will actually show me something about the Vikings. And you can say, hey, it's a one and two Saints team. Um, you know, is it that impressive of a win? But frankly, like 
this is a good roster for all intents and purposes. It's it's banged up, and we'll talk about that more even um, as we get into each side of the ball and the breakdowns there. But this is a good Saints team for all like everybody kind of thought this would be a, a playoff like team, and they're desperate. Uh, this is like a must win for them. So if the Vikings can answer the call there and and stand up to a team that needs this win more than they do and and just simply win by outperforming them, like that'll show me a lot, I think. Um, and that would definitely boost my confidence in this Vikings team and and its consistency, as you talked about, and its ability to to show up um, week after week and, and find ways to get it done, which is not something it's done in the past. Like People want to talk about like, oh, the old Vikings lose last week. Like, no, they don't. Uh, they beat Detroit. They they would do that every single time at home. Um, they won their fair share of didn't play well, but won last year against Carolina, Detroit, all of it. The Vikings teams of old do not probably win this week. Um, they probably don't come back off of that and beat what I still think is a pretty good team, a team that has to win this game. So, but obviously, like like London is like the X factor in all of this. Um, playing at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, I know for some reason I feel like every Minnesota person I follow on Twitter likes Tottenham. So maybe there's some special meaning to those people um, as far as English Premier League teams, but. Like the whole idea of this being in England is is interesting. And what's really interesting to me is the two teams took such different approaches this week. Now the Saints flew out like right after their get lost to yeah. Carolina on Sunday. Got there, like they were there, like they caught basically the red eye. They were there like Monday morning central time. Um, and they've been there all week. Um, I've seen like NFL network coverage, like tons of talking to the Saints because they're on site and the Saints are on site. The Vikings leave today. Um, after practice today, they leave tonight. Um, and they get there Friday local time. Uh, so it's one team is like there for the whole experience, acclimating all week, going to be on local time there. Um, and one team is basically like showing up and saying, hey, let's play some football. Uh, what do you think of the two strategies? What do you think maybe plays out better? Yeah, I think it's interesting because like there's so much that goes into these decisions like scientifically or like from a sports science standpoint. And, and like, I, look, I don't think the Saints just decided, like, on a whim, like, hey, let's just leave after the game. I think some thought and rationale went into that. And and from the Vikings standpoint, they weren't just like, oh, well, I guess we'll leave uh, Thursday night. Like, no, some thought and rationale went into that. And it's just interesting to me that that these two, you know, thought process can, can lead up to and land on such different outcomes. Like, I don't know who, who it's going to benefit more, but listening to – Tyler Williams for the Vikings. He, he's the executive director of, let me get this right, player health and performance, um, whatever that means. Um, he, he's the sports science guy in TCO Performance Center in Egan. He talked to reporters yesterday, um, and it was interesting. Like His whole concept was like, we're trying to keep the Vikings players and coaches and, and everyone on the same like he kept using the word circadian rhythm, which I haven't heard since like middle school science. Internal clock, basically, right? Like, yeah, exactly. But the goal of the Vikings this week is to operate on Central Time, basically, in the lead up when they are in Central Time, on the plane when they're in London, when they're playing the game, and then when they come back, they they almost never want to get off of Central Time in their brain, which is interesting. Um, the thing I thought was most interesting about that is like the Vikings are just as much preparing for week five and how yeah, they right. feel th as they are week four in London. Right. So like the, the drawback, the saints are going to be there, <clears throat> been there since Monday, like you said, in London, they're going to feel probably in 
pretty good shape come Sunday. They've literally lived in London, adjusted to the time change. Uh, I think the worry from that standpoint is like, how are you going to feel in week five? Are you going to feel jet lag coming back home? Um, you know, for, for, for their perspective, like in New Orleans next week, Tuesday, are they going to feel jet lagged heading into their week five matchup with, um, I don't even know who it Seattle. is. Seattle. Okay. So the Vikings are trying to get, get away from that completely. Um, leaving today, like you said, on Thursday night, getting in Friday morning. Um, we don't know what's going to work. Like, honestly, like in the grand scheme of things, this whole thing kind of feels silly to me. Like, we yeah. all go on vacation, right? Like, I, look, my family's from Hawaii. I go to Hawaii like once a year to visit family. And I'm not like planning like, okay, when do I leave on this day? So I don't feel too jet lag when I get there. And then like, who like, when do I come back? So I can feel in tip top shape for work. Like, no, I just push it to the end. And like, like normal people adapt to time changes, like pretty easily i would assume athletes can do that as well so like i get it you want to maximize your performance but what are, what are we really talking about here like sleep like i get it but it, I mean, it's still kind of funny to me we break down every aspect of every matchup and it, like ad nauseum to like ridiculous degree so of course we're gonna break this down everybody is and and whoever loses like it's gonna be like well the other team chose the better strategy. I guess that's what everybody should do moving forward. Um, so I can't wait for that over analysis of like the Vikings just come out and get stomped. It won't just mean that the Saints are better, which is quite possible. Um, it'll be ah smarter. Went out on Monday. Smarter. Should have went out on Monday. Um, dang. I am interested with like the internal clock thing. I know I get it, like preparing for week five. So are the Vikings like they want their players to be like, all right, it's 8:30. Let's kick it off. Let's play some football. Uh, because I can tell you, if somebody played peewee football, it was not easy. Um, waking up at 8 o'clock and playing games sometimes. I can't imagine doing that as a professional athlete. That seems a little weird to me. Um, I, Actually, I guess I'd rather I, feel like it was at least noon. Yeah, I asked Tyler Williams about that yesterday, too. I was like, well, so you, you want them to operate on central time? He's like, yes, we want them to operate their brain on central time the whole time. Is there a concern that their brain will be on central time and it will be 830 in their brain when it is 230 in London or whatever and the Saints are ready to play? Are you worried they're going to be like sluggish? And he's like, no, we'll give them caffeine. <laughs> like, we'll just give them a cup of oh, coffee. Oh, yeah. Like, go out, just like, go just out and play. <laughs> you know, that's what I want to do before physical activity is like maybe like three lattes, you know, and then go out there and. And just start running around. You know, that's a great idea. Yeah, throw a monster in the body and, and go play some football. The, the funniest part about yesterday was like out of all, like this dude is super smart. Like Tyler yeah. Williams, like really, really smart dude. Smarter like, than us. Like, things, like a hundred times like, smarter. So much us. smarter. So yeah. much smarter than us. Like all of this, this went in, like there's a lot of thought went into this. So we, we kind of make fun of this tongue in cheek, but like yesterday, like, out of all like the smart stuff he said of all like the using circadian rhythm and this and that and internal body clock. And <clears throat> like, it sounds like two of the biggest things that are going to get the Vikings to London back from London and ready to play in week four in London and week five back, you know, on, on, on in the United States is they're going to use a lot of melatonin on the plane in Friday night. And they're going to use a lot of caffeine on Saturday and Sunday. So it's like two things that I, I took melatonin last night. I drank a cup of coffee before we recorded this podcast. Like you're doing it too, man. Just, yeah. Like all of this is just so funny to me. Um, you're right. It, it will be like a, like a 
at nauseum breakdown, like who was the smarter team. Like if the Vikings just come out and just destroy the Saints, everyone's going to be like, oh my God, wow, the Saints were idiots for flying out right after the game. And if the Saints come out and destroy the Vikings, it's going to be like, well, of course they did. Like how did they think they were just going to be able to adjust to time so quickly? Um, at the end of the day, like I, I, I get all of the thought that goes into this. I, I do think there is something that like, these dudes are professional athletes. They're in way better shape than, than, than almost all of us on, on the planet. Like they're going to be fine. I think maybe it'll be a little bit of a sluggish game uh, at, at the start. I do think your adrenaline kind of picks up when you're playing in a football game. Um, I can't speak to experience except for high school football, but like, I'm sure there were times after high school football games where I was like, Oh man, I'm pretty tired. This was a long day. And then the game starts and you're just fine. So I do think, as much as we talk about this, the Vikings are going to be fine on Sunday. I think the Saints are going to be fine on Sunday. I am more curious to see how they, they come out of this on, on in week five. Like logic would say the Vikings are probably in better shape heading up back into week five than the Saints are just because they don't have to adjust to the massive time change. I guess time will tell on that standpoint. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to talk about sleep on Sunday night. Um if the Vikings come out with their hair on fire and take like a 14-0 lead, I'm definitely chugging like a large cold brew before my next pickup <laughs> basketball game or whatever, like because that's clearly the answer. I remember co- covering the Timberwolves, and he didn't play, so it didn't really matter, but pre-game locker room access, Cole Aldrich would just drink a coffee uh, like 45 minutes before <laughs> tip-off every game, and that was to go sit on the end of the bench, but it might have just been like a peak performance type of thing that I didn't know about at the time, and now makes sense to me, frankly. Uh, I do want to say, like, look, which strategy is better? Um, I would take the Saints strategy only because I understand playing for week five, but uh, and I get why week five is more important for the Vikings because of who it is. But I look at the week five schedule and I say, okay, Saints at home against Seattle, Vikings at home against Chicago. I'd be like, you guys, I think we can win that at 80%. Um, let's try to win the game against the more difficult <laughs> opponent here in London, and then, uh, and then we'll just go try to beat this clearly inferior opponent in week five. I understand why the Vikings wouldn't do that. That's a divisional game. You can't drop it. You almost have to like prioritize that over this one. Um, but I think I would take my shot and say, let's really try to win week four. And I think we can take week five and go two and zero anyway. But that's enough for the old uh, the old time clock thing. Uh, <laughs> we'll get into breaking down actual football here after the break. Back with Inside Purple and Gold, Jace Frederick, Dane Mizutani on Odyssey's Vikings podcast. Dane, we're, we're through the sleep cycles. I think we've gotten our bases covered on that pretty thoroughly. I think 10 minutes was enough. Uh, let's get into the actual football that will take place. And, you know, grogginess aside, we've got this Vikings offense that has kind of been sputtering. Uh, certainly has shown that it can perform when it has to, like it did in the fourth quarter against Detroit. Against the Saints defense that I think these units are similar in that the Saints defense thought of as like one of the better units in the NFL coming into the season. Vikings offense, at least locally, thought of as one of the better units in the NFL coming into the season. And I don't think either has lived up to expectation, frankly. Um, both have probably disappointed to some degree. Uh, I know the Saints, like it's the Saints have been set up poorly by their offense. Maybe you could say the Vikings defense has done the same to the offense. Um, but how do you see this stacking up now and what should be strength versus strength, but is two units that have been kind of average versus average? Yeah, I, I look at the Vikings offense as something that, like like you said, they, they've left a lot to be desired so far. And this is an opportunity, as is the game as a whole, but, like, to kind of just prove that, like, 
All right, we're really starting to figure it out. We're a month into the season now. Um, there was always going to be growing pains, right? Like this, we talked about how complex the Vikings offense was in, in the lead up to the regular season. I think when you really think about it, it, it kind of makes sense that that there's been a little bit of like a hangover after such a good week one. Like, was it always going to look this good? I don't know. But I think when you go up against a Saints team like this, like there is an opportunity to take a step forward from an offensive standpoint and also show like from Kevin O'Connell's standpoint and perspective that like he is capable of making adjustments on the fly. Like we, we've talked a lot about Justin Jefferson's usage, um, how, how to get him the ball more. I think a big part of this game plan, regardless of like how much continuity the saints defense has, like, like you said, they've underperformed a little bit this year. Um, but still a lot of players who have been together for a long time on that Saints defense um, with Dennis Allen, obviously leading the charge, former defensive coordinator, now head coach. Um, it's a tough task this week, but I think a big part of this is going to be like, can Kevin O'Connell make these in-season adjustments to, you know, obviously people are playing Justin Jefferson differently than the, than the Packers played them in week one. Well, it worked in week two against the Eagles and it worked in week three against the Lions you probably have a pretty good idea how the saints are going to play Justin Jefferson. You probably don't know their exact game plan, but you know how they're going to take, try and take him away, find ways to, to beat that. Um, and like we have also talked about, like some of this comes down to Justin Jefferson winning. Um, but I think this is an opportunity for, for a Vikings offense that has been rather underwhelming at this point. And, and the man in charge of this Vikings offense, Kevin O'Connell to, to kind of show like, okay, we're able to, kind of adjust on the fly and, and, and move forward um, in that way. Uh, I'm interested to see how, how Justin Jefferson's used this week, because it, frankly, like getting him watching, watching him get beat the last two weeks is, is just kind of an abnormal experience watching the Vikings play. Um, so I don't expect that again, but I, I'm interested to see how they work to get him the ball. Yeah, it is kind of like a, he's going through like a murderous row of, of like elite corners, um, you know, like we've seen Darius Slay, uh, Jeff Okuda, and now Marshawn Lattimore. Like this, these are like all top tier, like shadow worthy corners. Um, Marshawn Lattimore basically frustrated Mike Evans to the point where Evans got in a fight and got himself suspended week two. Um, I don't expect Justin Jefferson to come to any blows, but like I definitely think that the Saints could employ something similar. But I will say, like, just from a coaching psychology kind of thing, I've seen this enough in like the NBA and whatnot. Just because something works for it against a team does not mean that every team will employ it the same way. Um, some teams are like, we don't do that. We do this, um, even if it's not the best strategy. But I do think like if the Saints wanted to go Lattimore, uh, shadowing Jefferson, and then a bracket on top of that, like it would be difficult for the Vikings to get Jefferson Jefferson, like heavily making the focal point of the offense. Like they could kind of, I think, take him out of the game again. Like other teams have done. Um, it kind of is on Kirk cousins and the other op weapons to expose that, um, to find other ways to beat that, but do it more efficiently. Um, I do wonder like the saints defense for like, as what it's given up this year, it has been very good against the pass um, and not good against the run. So I'm kind of interested like, first off, Dalvin Cook didn't practice Wednesday. No surprise there. I don't know if he's practicing today, Thursday. Do you think Dalvin Cook plays this week? I don't think Dalvin Cook plays this week. Like, I, I think at, like, he's done, he's, he suffered this injury before. He dislocated his shoulder. It sounds super painful. Um, I'm sure it is super painful, but he knows, like, 
like he knew I asked him the other day, like, did you know it was the same injury? He's like, of course I knew it was the same injury. Um, could you have come back in the game? Like, no, because I can't play the way I want to play when when I have a dislocated shoulder. Understandable. Um, I'm glad he realized he that about- because there have been other times where he plays and he has it and he cannot and he looks super ineffective. Right, just like tentative. Like, how how can you really hit the hole if your shoulder's dangling? Like the Browns even if you pop game back last in place. Yeah, terrible. and like even like blitz pickups in, in that game. Like he, he watching him try and like like you can't really get your mind to go stand in and pick up like a free blitzer when when your shoulder's just like killing you. So maybe that's growth on his point stand from from his perspective. I don't expect him to play, and I I don't expect him to play because it's week four, and. Look, I, I, a lot of times when injuries like this happen, guys are like, well, it can't get any worse. Like, you know, it's just it's like a pain tolerance thing. Like, no, it can get worse. Like, it, it's your shoulder. Like, it's a chronic shoulder thing that you probably want to let heal up. I know it's probably going to dislocate again. I know he wasn't wearing the brace on Sunday like like he's done in the past. I know if this was the playoffs and you could brace it up and, and, and he'd probably be operating at 80%. But, like, what is the point of, like, going in not 100%, running the risk of re-injuring yourself again. And I know this isn't a soft tissue injury. It's like a it's a literal like dislocation, but like this is going to linger. Um so why not take care of it now early in the season with hopes of being like better, 100%, um 90%, I don't know, moving forward, especially when you have a guy like Alexander Madison. Look, I don't think Alexander Madison is some amazing dynamic talent at the running back position, but I think he's good. Like, I think he's good enough and I think he can do the things that Dalvin cook can do to a degree. I don't think the Vikings offense has to change when he's in the game. So if you have the luxury of having a backup like that, then yeah, he's probably better. Him at hundred percent is probably better than Dalvin at 75. So I I think long windedly. No, I don't think Dalvin's going to play this week. He did not practice yesterday. I, I would, honestly be a little surprised if he t- practiced today and, and just listening, kind of reading between the lines of, of listening to Kevin O'Connell talk. Like it sounds like he's holding out hope that he's going to play on Sunday. They're going to let him make the trip to London. He's going to fly out with the team today. Dalvin cook is, but when you ask him about like Kevin O'Connell yesterday was asked, like, how do, how do you feel about guys not practicing and playing on Sunday? And he was like, well, it really helps to have guys get that work in. So I think when 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 you hear someone say it's something like that, like Kevin O'Connell is basically couching like, OK, if Dalvin doesn't practice this week, he's probably not going to play. Um, all in all, I don't think he plays this week, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing for the Vikings um, if he's not going to be at 100 percent anyway. Yeah, I agree. I just think like if you probably know he's not going to play, if it's like 10 percent, then don't have him make the trip. Like if we're still worried about week five and then maybe leave Dalvin Cook at home so he actually can like maintain his schedule and not like go on this flight and have jet lag and whatnot. And he can just be totally fresh when you come back. Um, I understand like keeping the team together and oh, he has a chance to play maybe, but it just doesn't make sense to me. I think not playing makes a ton of sense in this game. Um, yeah, we saw him like strap that shoulder harness device whatever the heck it was against pittsburgh last year and just destroy uh the Steelers. but there have been so many times where he's played poorly with this shoulder thing um and it's not looked anything like himself so sit it out let madison play but i do think that is a downgrade like people want to talk about alexander madison is delvin cook like he's not uh he's he's worse uh he's a he's a good backup running back um but i do think 
this would be a matchup where you'd like to rely on your running game. Um, I think Minnesota's offense is often going to have to rely on its running game to set up the pass as much as people don't like that. Um, it does seem like just kind of the way that it has to be with this offensive line, this quarterback and everything like that's where they're most comfortable. That's where the saints I think can be beaten. Um, and I do think Madison will be a less effective version of that. Um, I, I I'm sure I would say Alexander Madison has a nice day on the ground. I don't think it would be the same day that Devin Cook would have. Um, so I do think that's a little bit of a downgrade for Minnesota offensively, which probably factors into Minnesota's chances to win this game, frankly. Um, not to say they can't win with Alexander Madison, but it's not the same odds as if Devin Cook was playing. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, I, I I always go back to like training camp when, when people did want to trade Alexander Madison, though, like – you'd rather have him right now than Ty Chandler. Like, and I think that's like undoubtedly true. Um, regardless of how, uh, how good he is in, on the spectrum of, of running back elites in, in, in the NFL, he, he's not ne- near the top of that list, not even really close. Um, but like you said, he's, he's a serviceable backup. He's someone who you can, who can come in and, and be relied upon, you know, to do the job, albeit worse than, than Dalvin cook. That's, that's not a knock necessarily in Alexander Madison. Like Dalvin cooks really good. And Alexander Madison is just not as good as Dalvin cook. Um, I I think it's going to, you're right. Like hurt their ability to, to, to establish that run in, in the same way. I think you can be committed to the run. I just think like the chunk plays the, you know, what could be like a 12 yard run for Dalvin cook. Cause he, the way he hits the hole or makes someone miss is maybe like a four yard run for Alexander Madison. Uh, a lot was made about Madison's four starts last year. He had good numbers in his two starts for Dalvin cook early in the, in the early last season in 2021. I think he had like, he was a bell cow in those games, like 25 carries in both of them. I think he went for like 115 ish or 120. Like that's still not that good of a yards per carry average. And and we saw him start twice later in the season and really struggle, like really struggle with the yards per carry. It's he's not this dynamic guy who's going to come in and just be like, you know, you, you look at Tony Pollard with, with the Dallas Cowboys, like you watch him play and you're like, wow, he's, he might be better than Zeke. Uh, you don't watch the Alexander Madison play and say like, wow, he might be better than Dalvin cook. He is what he is. Um, but I think the Vikings are at least happy to have him along for the ride. Um, happy to have him, you know, in place in year four, capable of doing the things that Dalvin Cook does in this offense. So you don't have to like completely turn everything on its head when he's out. Yeah, we just harped on this so much, but because I do think like running the ball is how you're going to beat the Saints team. Like the secondary is pretty solid. They've got Lattimore, they've got Matthew. Um, it's, it's, that's like a strength of it. Um, I, the Saints defensive line is pretty good, but the linebacker corpse is not good. That also leads to a pretty solid running game. Like I do think this is a game where if the Vikings want to win, they're probably going to have to run for 125, 130, 140 yards. And that's kind of what the Saints have given up. Um, that's the formula for success. Uh, control the ball, um, set your defense up a little bit better this time around. Like I know like we want to see like an, a more fluid, air it out offense that we were promised basically, um, or at least, set our own sights on maybe promise to ourselves, but I don't think this is the week for that anyway. Um, I think if you do that, you're probably setting up Kirk cousins and company for failure and you're setting yourself up for turnovers. And so like, this is, this is a ground and pound type of game, I think. Um, and, and taking advantage of those linebackers in a bunch of different ways. 
and we'll see how Minnesota can do that. Um, what do you think about like what do you okay with that in mind? What are your expectations for the passing game? I think it'll be better. I think I'm just gonna always assume it's going to be better, even if it proves that it's not like each week. Like like last week heading into the Lions game, for example, I thought oh Justin Jefferson's gonna have a bounce back performance. I'm gonna feel like that this week. Um and probably until further notice, just because I think Justin Jefferson is one of the best receivers in the league. Even if he hasn't proven that through three weeks of the NFL season, um, my expectation week in, week out is that Justin Jefferson's going to win um, because he's really good. I know Marshawn Lattimore is another elite corner that he's going to have to go against. But just watching Justin Jefferson play over the course of two years, I think the sample size is greater than the last two weeks that we've saw where, where he's gotten beat. I will be interested to see how, like I, I made note of this earlier, like how Kevin O'Connell adjusts and adapts and tries to get him the ball. But when you look at like, okay, Adam Thielen had, had a, had a better game. Uh, KJ Osborne obviously had the two catches um, down the stretch against Detroit. Uh, the one that obviously stood up as the game winner. Thielen, his usage in the offense seems to have gone up over the past game and a half. I'm interested to see how they use KJ Osborne. And, and, and I think when you see things like he did in in the dynamic plays that he can make in the passing game, I think it's kind of silly to not try and feature him a little, um, probably because you, you have an idea of what's coming for Justin Jefferson. You probably know KJ Osborne's going to be singled up on their nickel a lot of the time, um, just because he plays the number three receiver position. Um, so I, I'm interested like this week to, to see, you know, how, how that passing attack looks across the board, but also like with an, with more of an acute focus on like, how are they trying to get KJ Osborne involved? Um, I agree with you. I think that the game is going to be won if the Vikings do it on the ground. I think they're going to need to establish, you know, that precedent up front. Um, and then I think the offense itself can take form after that. Um but I would anticipate the passing game looking a little better than it has in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Like, I think we're both really interested to see. Okay. Um, is this the KJ Osborne breakout? Like, was that last drive? Is that what sparked it? Um, is that what kind of sparked everything um, to get him going in the game? Like to make him the integral part of the offense. Was that where they're like, okay, yep. Okay. We saw it from KJ. That's his breakout moment, and now here we go from here. We think it should be, uh, but we don't always know if it will be. Uh, the one I think like biggest thing for Kirk, and this being a game where he could play well, is frankly through three weeks, the Saints haven't gotten home. Like Their pressure percentage is one of the worst in football. I think they've pressured the passer on 13% of passing plays. Um, they don't really bring a lot of heat. They do kind of have more, you know, rely on the coverage. Um they only blitz 17% of the time. So like they do sit back um, and it is like, okay, beat our secondary and teams haven't really done that with much success thus far, but that is generally the recipe of success for Kirk Cousins is to be able to sit there and process and, uh, you know, not face pressure and where you're kind of scrambling. So we'll see if that works out. Like it's the same strategy. The saints have a lot of success doing that, but it could play into the Vikings hands to some degree, because certainly when like we've seen pressure up the middle time and again has been what takes down Minnesota's offense. 
when Kirk Cousins has time, like like you're right, like he he's able to to kind of dissect opposing defenses um, to a degree. But it's it's when he when when the pressure gets home, that's when he really starts to feel it. Um, so if if like you said that the pressure rate is down for the Saints, um, you know, early in this season, maybe that does open up the door for Kirk to kind of stand in a little bit, uh, you know, and and kind of be a, that that guy who can just make those throws and and you know deliver the ball to Justin Jefferson on time or get KJ Osborne involved. Um, look, as much as we harp on Kirk Cousins, like we've always said, like he's accurate and and he's capable of of leading an offense. But when there's pressure, he, he he tends to shut down. So if there's less pressure this week, you would assume that that maybe he's going to look a little better. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, hopefully he gets some sleep on the plane on, on Thursday and Friday night. It is one of those things where it's like, okay, the Saints might take away Justin Jefferson. They might put on Lattimore and bracket coverage. <clears throat> I don't. I, I don't know if in that situation, like force feeding Jefferson is the way to play. But if you do have time to sit in there um, and and go away from Jefferson, like, can you go through your actual progressions? Can you find like, okay, Adam Thielen's open here. KJ Osborne's here. Can it be less of Justin Jefferson? No check down. Can we see like less of that? Can we push the ball down the field to other guys? Like that is what I would be wanting if I'm Kevin O'Connell. Can like Kirk, okay, we're protecting enough here. Um, the Saints are like, solid at the defensive tackle position they get some pressure there but like if they're only bringing four your offensive line should hold up pretty well does that open things up to be like okay even if option one is taken away can we more consistently and effectively use options two and three um i think that's going to be really big like if kj osborne and adam thielen aren't playing big roles in this offense more than just like the safety valve thielen play more than just like KJ Osborne late in the game, like, now, okay, we need to play right now. Um, if it can be more consistent, then I think that's more hope for this offense um, that maybe things are progressing along. Hey, back with Inside Purple and Gold, Jace Frederick, Damian Zutani on Odyssey's Vikings podcast. Uh, if you're listening, like, subscribe, follow, make sure you're getting this podcast and every episode on your phone as soon as it comes out. That will be including. You know, early Sunday afternoon, uh, maybe you watch the Vikings in the morning. You had some coffee, some cold brew. You like the Vikings, had some caffeine, so you're ready and fired up to go uh, for game time. You know, then like noon, one o'clock, you're ready to move on with your day. Do it with Inside Purple and Gold. Go on a nice Sunday afternoon walk. Listen to us break down the game. Uh, Dane, let's talk a little bit about defense versus offense here. Uh, this Vikings defense has been... Kind of maligned, um, even though the fact they haven't given up a ton of points. Um, 24 points is the most they've allowed thus far this season. Um, I think we would view that as a positive through three weeks before the season started. They are getting gashed for a lot of yardage. Kevin O'Connell said, hey, we want to shore that up a little bit, maybe get off the field when we have more chances to do so. But I just don't think anybody's really sounding the alarm um, against for this defense from the Vikings perspective, like coaching players. I think they're just like, yeah, it kind of is what it is. Hopefully we get a little better, but this is kind of the show. I personally think if James Winston starts and we'll get into the injury report here in a second, but like, I think this defense was made to play against James Winston. Frankly, like you want to beat us in 10 plays. You want to go 10 plays without kicking yourself in the butt. Like uh, that's not James Winston football. Um, and that's what the Vikings are going to ask him to do. Yeah, that's that's always been James's or James Winston's knock is that like he's gonna make a mistake at some point, and that is what this Vikings defense is predicated on this year. Is 
we've talked a lot about their shell coverage and how that's frustrating to to fan for fans to watch because they're just giving up these eight yard chunk plays or these six yard pass, eleven yard reception, whatever. It's all designed because like in, in the Vikings defensive brain or you know, scheme, like they're gonna the opposing team's going to make a mistake. If Jameis Winston plays on Sunday, he's going to make a mistake. Like he just does. Like that's what he does. Like he's capable of of spraying the ball around. Um, You saw it in Tampa when he was able to kind of buoy an offense with both Evans and Godwin. Like he can, he can get the ball to pass catchers, but he's going to throw a ton of interceptions too. He's going to make a ton of mistakes. He's going to do things with the football that are reckless. And, And that's what this Vikings defense is relying on not just this week, but this season, like they're relying on other teams to screw up. I think if Jameis Winston plays this weekend, it's better for the Vikings than if Andy Dalton plays. And that might sound a little crazy because Andy Dalton's the backup and Andy Dalton is super uninspiring as, as far as like quarterback play goes. Uh, But I think Andy Dalton is probably more equipped to take what the defense is giving him than Jameis Winston, who, who can be a little bit reckless at times. Also, Jameis Winston has a broken back. So that is something to take into account. Like he this has is, forced. This is pretty rare. So yeah, he's got the back fractures. It's pretty rare that we have a Thursday injury report because the Saints are in New Orleans. We do have like open availability for the media. has already happened. Jameis Winston, not there for the open portion of practice today. They expected him to be. He's not. Um, so like that's another step towards Andy Dalton maybe potentially being the quarterback for new Orleans, which I don't think is a bad thing for the bike. All right. No, which I, for, I like, like, I think when Saints, you look right? at what, yeah, for the saints, like from the Vikings perspective, like uh, an injured Jameis Winston, who when he's healthy is going to make throws that make you kind of scratch your head. is probably someone you want to play against more than, than Andy Dalton. Who's going to be super boring and just kind of take care of the ball. Um, probably march you down the field. Take the field goal here, maybe not get into the end zone every play, but but he, he, Andy Dalton, as much as he's an easy kind of punching bag, in, you know, in NFL circles, like played played quarterback for a long as a starting quarterback for a long time in this league, is capable of taking what the defense gives him. Um, it's one of the better backups in the league already, and, and I think like with how the Vikings play defense. Andy Dalton might be more equipped to beat them than Jameis Winston because he's going to just march them down the field, take the, you know the eight yard gain, the twelve yard gain, not throw the jump ball that Jameis is definitely going to throw. Also worth noting that Michael Thomas didn't practice either. So as much as the Vikings defense has struggled, as much as it might benefit the Saints to play their backup rather than their starter this week the Vikings aren't really going to be tested defensively to the same degree that if, if the saints were firing on all cylinders and completely healthy, um, you kind of have to dominate this game. If, if, if you're a Vikings defense, in my opinion, you can't get sliced and diced. If you do. uh Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I think we're just going to see them get sliced and diced a lot, but like what exactly to the degree is always the question. Uh, but I think the Michael Thomas injury is bigger than the James Winston one. Like this Vikings defense, Chris Olave is a great rookie wide receiver. No question, but he is a, they throw the ball down the field to him. Like he is a big air yards guy. takes a lot of deep shots. Frankly, like 
Not to say that the Vikings, they've had some coverage busts, um, but they are kind of built to try to keep that away from you. That's not to say Patrick Peterson hasn't still given up those opportunities that haven't been capitalized on yet this season. And maybe Chris Olave will be the first to capitalize on that. Uh, but in general, like they get crushed in the intermediate. They get crushed in the middle of the field. It's kind of designed that way, like funneled in there. Okay, take those tw- 10, 12 yards. Michael Thomas lives in that area. Um, he destroys that area. Uh, Andy Dalton, I think, would love if Michael Thomas was out there on the field to go seven for 80 yards and a score. Um, so like that, him being out would be a big break, I think, for the Vikings defense. Uh, Jarvis Landry, mispractice Wednesday, is back out on the field Thursday. He also kind of lives in those areas, um, and he's he still is a veteran receiver who can dominate those areas of the field. So that could be a big boost for the Saints. Uh Alvin Kamara obviously like could push the Vikings linebackers, but frankly, like I think the linebackers are a strength for this Vikings defense, maybe like one of these strengths. Uh, but yeah, like I think at its core with the Saints, with Jameis Winston like taking deep shots down the field to Chris Olave, like they're built to stop those types of things. The Vikings are built to get destroyed by rushing attacks, and as good as Alvin Kamara is, like the Saints running game isn't that good. Um, like Alvin Kamara is not like a great hand it to him 25 times and watch him roll type of player. Um, especially not right now. Um, you know, he's a little banged up as well. Mark Ingram, you know, is out there getting six, seven, eight carries a game, and he's not a good football player anymore. So there are a lot of things that the Saints do or don't do that I think kind of play right into the Vikings defense's hands, even at full strength. Uh Andy Dalton certainly could dink his dink and dunk his way around the field, but if you don't have the best receiver for that either, um, that could make things even easier for Minnesota. So I'm with you. Like, hey, like this is where the Vikings have to win. Um, and I will say, just from like the pressure perspective, you know, we don't think that the Vikings defensive line has generated enough of it um, in these last couple games. And I do think what's interesting is I think the Saints are pretty solid at tackle, but their interior offensive line as is poor. And as we've seen here, like that could have a big effect on things. So maybe this is a game where like, Hey, if you get him into a third and seven, third and eight, like better sees a Darius Smith on the inside and trying to win it there. Um, and maybe he can get pressures up the middle and, and the Vikings can find a pass rush in that way. Yeah. One concerning thing for the Vikings, you know, you look at who's missing time and who, who wasn't at practice. Uh, Andrew Booth, like may never play. <laughs> like he, he was off yeah. to the side again, like somehow that quad injury, it has has turned from a tweak into something much more um three weeks in now he's still he's still working his way through the quad injury isn't practicing Darius smith missed time yesterday um with a knee injury i don't know if he'll play this week he looked pretty banged up coming against the lion coming off against the lions um talked to reporters in the locker room on sunday um talking to our colleague chris thomason he had a noticeable limp on sunday and he didn't practice on Wednesday. Um, we'll see if he practices on Thursday, like maybe, or if he's limited, maybe there's there's hope that he's going to play. If Sadari Smith doesn't play, that puts even more pressure on Daniel Hunter. He, he Daniel Hunter has been fine to this point in the season, just fine, like just very average, very okay. Um, not the dominant player that that he he once was. If Sadari Smith doesn't play, Daniel Hunter needs to win this week. And in is he capable of doing that anymore? I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want this to sound like bashing to Neil Hunter. He, he, he's made certain plays here and there. He just hasn't been the guy who can just wreck a game. Like we saw him do in week two last year against the Cardinals, where Kyler Murray was just dominating the Vikings and Daniel Hunter just 
was the only guy who could stop them. He hasn't looked like that through three weeks. If if Darius Smith does not play and DJ Wanham is the other pass rusher who has been fine situationally, but is is not even close to the players that that Darius Smith is, then it's up to Daniel Hunter this week to step up um, against, like you said, he gets moved around against an interior line that that is a little bit weak. Um, kind of reminds some of of the Vikings interior line. Um, I think there's an opportunity for Dar- or for Daniel Hunter to to make plays this week, not all, only off the edge, but beat up the middle as well. Um, and and it's incumbent he does that even more if Zadarius Smith doesn't play. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, let's get into purple prop party. Um, as always, odds per- provided by the DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, Dane, first off, let's get into player props. Uh, what do you like this week? What do you think is like your slam dunk? Um, I will say that I picked Kirk Cousins going over like 285 yards last week against Detroit. Was not able to pull it off even with that late drive. Just got the 260 Vikings passing offense. Certainly was not as dynamic, prolific as I thought it would be. Um, you did hit yours. Amonra St. Brown clearing that relatively low number for him. He did so even while playing basically on one leg. Uh, so go ahead. Who's your pick this week? It, it's pretty funny looking at these, these player props right now. Cause it's all Vikings because like the saints are just so hurt that like the, yep. the lines aren't even up right now. Like we don't have a, a passing player prop because the, the DraftKings doesn't know who's going to play quarterback. You don't have many receiving player props because DraftKings doesn't know if Michael Thomas is going to play. Um, my player prop, it's, it, kind of a cop-out i'm taking over one and a half touchdowns for kirk cousins like i i think as much as i think the vikings need to establish the run to win the game i think they're going to need to throw the ball to score touchdowns um i think when they get in the red zone um that's kind of kirk cousins time to kind of take over and uh, you know if if they're near the goal line i think madison will get those touches um if if dalvin doesn't play um I, i just think the Vikings are going to be able to move the ball against this defense. And, and if they are, if they're going to get, you know, anywhere remotely close to the end zone, it's going, they're going to try and be throwing the ball um, more than running it. Uh, one and a half touchdowns for Kirk Cousins. Um, it, it's by no means going out on a limb. It's minus 140. So it, it's not a great uh, money bet, but I think it's a lock to go over. All right. I'm going to take, you're right. Like the Saints have nothing up because they have no idea who's going to play for anybody. Even the Vikings, like there are no Alexander Madison or Dalvin Cook odds because, you know, the books don't know who's playing. Like if Dalvin Cook plays, well, then any Alexander Madison under would be a win um, and you know, vice versa. Uh, so I'm going to go out of the pass catchers. I will take Justin Jefferson under 85 and a half yards. I'm not saying he's not more involved than he was last week, but I do think Lattimore is tremendous um carolina barely even targeted i think carolina targeted Lattimore one time last week um he shut down mike evans like he's done throughout his career like this is a great corner and if the saints see like hey it looks like taking jefferson out of the game has been a great way to limit the vikings offense um then that that maybe only makes sense to try to do the same thing and if that's the case not saying justin jefferson can't win not saying it can't go you know six for 65 and a score or something, but 85 and a half yards becomes a pretty high total. So I will take the under on that and see if the Vikings can figure out a way to get Justin Jefferson going um, against the defense's best wishes. All right. Uh, game total. Uh, the Vikings for this game, just in general, are two and a half point favorites. 
which is not surprising. Um, I think given the Saints injury report, over under set at just 43 points. So not expected to be like a massive scoring game. 43 is kind of a middle to low number. Dane, what do you got? Did the Vikings pull this one out? Did they move to three and one? Yeah, I think the Vikings win. I think they cover barely. I think they win by a field goal. I think it'll be like 24-21. Like, I think it'll flirt with that that over-under. I think that's a pretty good line. Um, I don't think it's going to be like this massively entertaining offensive football game. Um, I think it's going to be pretty close towards the end. Um, I see the Vikings pulling it out. Um, 24-21 is my score prediction. I always feel kind of silly making a score prediction because it's, it's a complete guess. Um, but I do think they win the game. Um, I think they're better than the saints. Um, the saints are going to probably come in a little more desperate, uh, desperate, such a, such a sports word. Um, but I, I think the Vikings are better and I think that'll rise, um, kind of above at, at the end of the day on Sunday. I think the saints are better than what they've shown. Um, even losing to Carolina last week, that basically was, that game was flipped on its head by an Alvin Kamara fumble returned like 60 yards by Carolina to the house, set up the saints in a bad way. I, I think the saints desperation is key in this one like teams that need to win games come out and play better i think the saints are a good football team i don't think that's changed through three weeks i I think they've kind of you know yeah you lost to the bucks and then you just kind of kicked yourself against the panthers i think it is andy (laughs) dalton i think that helps the saints i think defensively they play well um i'm not saying minnesota won't play well be competitive this will be a close game but i've got the saints winning 20 to 17 so saints win and it hits the under i think both I think like the Saints offense is going to kind of plod its way around the field, but I think the defense is going to hold the Vikings offense in check as Minnesota kind of continues to search for that magic formula to kind of get this offense rolling. I don't have confidence they do that against the Saints defense. Negative Nancy Jace. He picks against the Vikings every week. I picked the the Vikings to beat Detroit last week, 30 to 27. That was pretty close. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, yeah, geez. Come on. I think I picked Sorry. him to beat the – no, I think I picked him to lose. No, yeah, I've picked them every week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dane just picks the Vikings to win. He's convinced they're the best team in football. Um, he says negative things all week about them. And then goes, <laughs> then, the Vikings are the better team. They're going to win this game. Uh, <laughs> if you listen to Dane talk every week, you'd be like, wow, he's pretty convinced this team stinks. And then he picks you. Like, <laughs> Vikings are so much better than this other team. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate oh, the bet. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, but either way, I think we're expecting a competitive game. Can't wait to wake up, chug coffee, and then perform at my peak while covering the game. Uh, don't forget, 8.30, like I said, you can watch this on NFL Network. And if you are in the local market, you can catch it on KSDP Channel 5. Don't think because you don't have NFL Network and you live in the Twin Cities that you can't watch this game. You can. Um, it will be broadcast locally. Uh, any other parting thoughts here as we head off, Dane? No, I just hope everyone gets a good night's sleep on on Saturday. Um, I hope the Vikings get a good night's sleep. I hope everyone gets, you know, I hope everyone takes their melatonin on on Saturday night. I hope people in the Twin Cities get a good night's rest, and then I hope they they get the the dose of caffeine they need to to really perform at their peak on Sunday. All right, uh, for. Dane Mizutani, I'm Jace Frederick. This has been Inside Purple and Gold. Please follow, like, subscribe. Make sure you're getting all the episodes of the show. Make sure you're getting that early Sunday afternoon podcast um, right after that game as Dane and I break down everything that happened in London. Viking Saints as Minnesota looks to move to 3-1 on the season. As always, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you next time. Goodbye.
2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.